0: Because even though the yeah, majority definitely. of people still choose monogamy, and if my children choose to be monogamous, I'm not going to say they're wrong, that is a valid option. And I definitely mm-hmm. think that giving, raising your children to know that there are lots of options and that they choose what feels comfortable for them and makes them happy, that is the important thing. Welcome to Diaries of a Poly,
1: a storytelling and discussion podcast
0: about the real-life experiences of polyamory, hosted by me, Kelly,
1: and by me, Adam.
0: In today's episode, we will be exploring what it is like to be polyamorous while having children, and Adam will talk about his experience of meeting my kids for the first time. Take it away.
1: Here we go. Light snow fell around us, adding to the substantial covering already on the ground. Kelly and I walked from her house towards a small field around the corner. We'd been seeing each other for a couple of months, and now I was going to meet and go sledging with her wife and two kids. I was nervous. This was a new experience for everybody involved. I had no real plan for what I would say to Kelly's wife, but I knew I wanted to come across as respectful. Sure, I've met friends and their kids for the first time before, but this was different. The relationships were more complex than friendships. My partner, my metamor and their children. I wanted this to go well. I've watched a lot of Cesar Milan over the years, the dog whisperer. He studies dogs and how they behave in the pack. If they want to show respect, they go in with their head low and they give the others the opportunity to get used to their presence. My tactics were not a million miles away from this. Happily, it seemed to go very well. I spoke to Kelly's wife a little. We chatted about the usual, weather and what the kids were up to, current events. I think in some ways it was more difficult for Kelly. The kids probably wondered who this strange man was. I flew ungracefully down the hill on a sledge to show some humility. Yes, it felt a bit awkward at times. There's no rule book for this. And so I think everyone defaulted to common courtesy. But it worked. Meeting Kelly's family was a privilege that I did not take for granted. I have fond memories of this day. The relationships have started that day have all been built upon since. And now I see her kids every week when I stay over.
0: And they look forward to you coming to stay over as well. I cannot believe you compared my family to meeting dogs.
1: A pack of dogs. A pack of dogs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no it makes it makes sense though, 'cause because yeah so much is body language and uh, yeah I don't know I feel like the way you introduce yourself the way you interact as someone you kind of want that first impression to be a good one don't you
0: I remember it quite well I'm not a big fan of going sledging so it was good that you <laughs> could go and take over some of that job for me um <laughs> Because I just get scared about yeah hitting things and falling over, and so that was useful having you to go down the slope instead.
1: and, yeah, and I've I also
0: it, sorry, you can continue.
1: No, uh, what I was going to say is uh, I think it was maybe better than you know meeting for lunch or meeting for dinner, or something like that uh, straight away because yeah it's something different you know you if there's an awkward silence you just watch the kids going down on the sledge so you know and you're outside there's space if someone really if it went badly and someone really needed to leave then you know they could have um so yeah I think I'd recommend sledging or similar
0: yeah activity. just just having an activity to focus on something that the kids can be yeah. doing so that there's no yeah yeah oh, you know, silences, oh, t- difficult conversations
1: uh okay, so a few topics for discussion or questions that we'd noted down here. So I'll ask the first one. Did the fact that we have kids influence our decision to become polyamorous?
0: Um, so yes, of course. Anything that um could impact your family and your children is obviously going to be something that you're not going to take lightly. So just by having children um you are kind of making that decision that the future is always going to include your children. So mm-hmm. anything that you do to change your living circumstances, if you're moving house, um, anything that you do, you're going to try to think about what impact could that have on the kids. So I think this is no different to that. Um, I think that yes, I knew that monogamy wasn't working for me and it wasn't making me happy. So I looked into alternatives to that, but I was obviously much more cautious going into that because I had to think not just about myself, but about my kids, too. So I think that just led me to do lots and lots of research beforehand to make sure that I fully understood what I was going into, that I could look at other people who had done similar things with their relationships, opening up a marriage. Um, If they had kids, I was particularly interested in how that played out for them. So I did a lot of research into that. And I've got a couple of that particularly stood out from the research that I did. So I know that Mm -hmm. we have talked about this person in previous episodes before. But um, Dr. Mm -hmm. Eli Sheff came up a lot when I was researching um, being polyamorous and having children. And then also another person, Dr. Meg John Barker came up as well. So yeah, I think just doing lots and lots of research before changing anything in my family circumstances, um, that was definitely, that definitely had a big impact on any decisions that I made about becoming polyamorous. How about you?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, if I look at the, the starting point of knowing zero about poly, I try to put myself back in that mindset sometimes. I think my initial reactions might have been oh it's too it's too risky you know can you do that with kids? when you have kids maybe maybe it's not wise but I, I don't think I felt like that for long at all because yeah you you do the research um but you also just think about well how would I deal with this you know I I trust myself to look after my kids and do what I think is right for them because you've been doing it for their whole life already, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hard to say if if you were younger and single or younger without kids, it it seems like a thing you could try easier. Uh, yeah, fewer difficulties. You you don't have to worry about um about how it's going to have the kids. But then, I mean. Maybe you would, because maybe think, well, what happens when if when I have uh, kids with this partner?
0: Um, Yeah, and we've we've talked about that a few times. That actually sometimes we think we're actually in quite a good position because neither of us want to have any more children in the future, so that is never going to be a complication. Whereas, yeah, for some younger polyamorous folk that do want a future with kids, I mean, obviously it's still possible, but it just adds in all those extra things you have to talk about and plan we just don't have to
1: consider. <laughs> yeah, I know, and, and it's another instance of how many different ways there are to do this uh, mm-hmm. This poly thing, you know, I mean, there's quite often you get asked about what are the rules, that, and so, well, it's just unique really to each, each arrangement. So yeah, to sum up, it, it made me work, it, it was a thing I was cautious about and it was a thing I read up about and just thought about how things would work. But yeah, it obviously did not stop me from, from doing it. And I felt I think it could be a positive.
0: Coming across some positive examples from it helped me for sure. So um mm-hmm. so Dr. Meg John Barker, which I talked about, which I brought up a second ago, um, is a British mm-hmm. psychotherapist and author of rewriting the rules. The main thing that they concluded was that there's no evidence that polyamory is worse for child rearing than monogamy. And the main concerns are the the people involved which is the same for monogamy as it is for polyamory you know, yeah. there are problematic parenting behaviors across all relationships styles it's not really to do with the style and more to do with the individuals and are they going to be good people to be around your children so you know you can say that yeah. they're, they're monogamous relationships where um, it's not the monogamy that's caused the problem it's the, the people in the monogamous relationship so that's kind of their conclusion and then dr eli chef who we know has worked with lots and lots of polyamorous families so she is a sociologist i think is her official kind of area of expertise but she particularly looks at polyamory and so she's been studying a number of polyamorous families over the last 25 years and kind of checking in with them and monitoring how things develop. And from her, from her um, studies, she certainly doesn't see any big negative impact that it's had on the children other than the kind of normal stuff that you would expect in any sort of, you know, yeah. child rearing and so she describes the children of polyfamilies as having emotional resilience and the ability to develop relationships more effectively than their peers. And she puts that down to just being around, um, you know, polyamorous people tend to be, you know, very good communicators, very honest. All of these things are kind of integral to having a really strong polyamorous relationship that lasts. So obviously, yeah. seeing that in the parents around you is going to, that that'll be a good role model and and good learning opportunities. And she also described the fact that because in polyamorous families, there's a lot going on so that the children will not be the sole focus at all times, that that's actually quite good for children because it gives them more independence and freedom. So she did see a lot of them you know, 20 years on once the kids have grown up a bit and um, that they tended to be much more emotionally mature and looked back on their polyamorous families with kind of fondness and felt that they learned a lot from them. So that all of that gave me a lot of confidence that actually this has worked really well for other families. So I don't feel like I'm going into something that is going to be bad for my kids.
1: Yeah, definitely good to hear some stories about other families doing it and it, it going well or it going like a lot of other people's family life goes ups and downs. And um, yeah. I, I was was watching a video with um, Eli Chef. she was talking to, it was on a news programme um, and yeah, she'd said, you know, she was asking you know, the problems that they face she was like, most of the problems they face, almost all of them were not unique to having polyamorous parents. I mean, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good, actually, because uh, the the interviewer asked better questions than you're used to hearing on these things. You, she actually seemed like she was interested in the topic and delved a little bit deeper than they, te- they normally do. It wasn't just the usual sort of frivolous questions that to, you do tend to get on these things. So uh, yeah, I would definitely, I would recommend watching that to anyone. Children of Polyamorous Relationships, CBS News on YouTube. It's only a 10 minute video, but there was a lot of good stuff in there.
0: Should we go on to the next topic? So how did you go about introducing the topic of polyamory and talking about new partners?
1: It was a gradual thing. We definitely, I didn't have the talk really, you know, I didn't sit, I didn't sit my kids down and explain everything about polyamory to them. It's more been a kind of drip feeding. So you know, at, at the start, you were just, you were my friend, that was, I was going to see my friend, um, which I think is probably a common way into it. Um, but eventually, you know, when my kids are eight and five, and they're both old enough to know Friends and not friends, I would say. You know, even if they can't quite put uh, put it into words. So yeah, it, it was a it was a gradual kind of drip feeding of information, and you know, okay, it was it was oh, Kelly's my friend, but then it was uh, you know when she comes to the house, she's going to stay in the bed with me now, um, and I actually found someone who's talking about this. Uh, there's an article on medium.com by Rachel Hope um, and she she speaks really well actually about uh, normalising it all. So she says here opportunities to talk to kids about sex, relationship, marriage and gender come most often in the everyday. I put Polly Group on the calendar without saying anything and when they finally notice it after months of repetition, I tell them it's a discussion group for people to talk about polyamory. They move on. I talk about my friend who has a husband and a boyfriend, uh, and a boyfriend. They nod, then they move on. My boyfriend and I laughingly point out nods to polyamory on a sitcom we're all watching. They listen, then move on. It's just their nature. I definitely found that to that kind of rung true with me. I think um, my kids were curious and they did want to know some things but I didn't get the feeling they were sitting, stewing about it or it was really perplexing and they, they wanted some, they wanted to know what was going on in general, but yeah, not not more than other things that they wanted to know as well. So yeah, I, I think her approach there um, worked well for me, is make it seem maybe normal, you know, it is unusual and that most people are not doing it, but make it seem like a fairly normal option to have.
0: Yeah, no big deal, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I definitely.
0: think, I, yeah, I went for the same approach because I think, yeah, just kind of knowing your kids, you'll probably know how best to kind of approach these yeah. things anyway. Um, and I think, you know, there's age appropriate language to use as well that you will know best knowing your kids. But yeah. I definitely find, yeah, if you if you don't make a big deal out of things with kids, they're not going to make a big deal out of it if you're going to sit down yeah. and say, right, I've got something really important to tell you, there's this thing called polyamory, you know, that could actually end up, you know, freaking out again if you're making such a big deal over something that really isn't going to change too much in their lives, at least not to begin with. So, yeah, I took the same approach that, first of all, yeah, you were, well, first of all, you know, I was going on dates with you and. They didn't know anything about it. It was just I went to meet my friend for dinner or whatever. Um, so obviously I wasn't introducing you immediately. The second yeah. we we met, we definitely left it a good what, three months, I think, three four months, something like that.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then
0: we started with this slow, in, you know, yeah, meeting on the snowy slopes, and then over time maybe we'd had you'd be around a bit longer and chat with them a bit more it slowly went from that to then you staying over and eventually you know I would be saying things like okay this is in fact I think maybe my son asked me is he your boyfriend so he was the one that kind of wanted to put a different label on it because yeah I had just been saying Adam is coming round, and I hadn't really said who you were I think maybe I'd used similar sort of things a friend and then, uh, but, but left it open to, if you want to ask me more questions, you can, but kept it at a fairly, yeah, kind of age-appropriate level, I think, because, yeah, my son is also eight, and so they're getting into that curious stage, but when we first got together, and he was just a little bit younger, he really couldn't care at all, and I remember once trying to explain something to me, it was like, okay, yeah, cool, and yeah, just kind of, passed straight over it didn't really want any more detail so I wasn't going to push any more detail on him because yeah kids kids are interested in what they're interested in and everything else is just kind of you know stuff that happens around them that they're as long as they feel safe and secure they're not really that bothered about the detail if it doesn't directly yeah, affect I, them
1: definitely I mean I try to think back to being that age how interested was I in My parents love life or romantic life, you know, Uh, not at all, I think was the answer. And yeah, okay, they were monogamous. There was was, we've got this extra element now for our our kids to notice. But yeah, there's just a balance of because I don't like saying, oh, the kids, you know, they're not even that interested because then I feel like you open yourself to criticism of that. That doesn't seem a good enough reason to Oh, it's it's okay to do it this bad poly thing because the kids aren't that interested which is not how I feel at all so you get some balance of introducing it as a as a positive thing a thing that is and you know that is that is the reality of their family and and their parents as they're they're involved in something like this yeah Uh, but yeah but not to scare them with it um
0: yeah not not to tell them more information than they need to know at that particular age and then yeah. as they grow up and get more curious and want to ask more questions i i've already like said to my son if you if you have more questions then ask i want to know i'll i'll, I'll happily answer things and occasionally he has because i think i remember telling you a while ago now asked if you were mm-hmm. part of our family because they had mm-hmm. been doing um they've been doing some work at school about um your i think they were calling it your backup team or something and so they were saying that your family is your backup team. They're there to support you and keep you safe and, um, you know, just talking about families in general. And so he wanted to know if you were part of our family. And I remember saying to him, I was like, well, how do you feel about it? What, what have you been learning at school? Who do you include in your family? And he started listing people. And I was like, and would you like to include Adam in that? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, then, okay, you can. Because, you know, mm. I think if he wants to define you as, part of the family than you are here every week and um, so I think that would be okay but equally yeah. if he said no I think I prefer just including so-and-so and so-and-so in the family I'd have been yeah. like cool go with that you know just because yeah. really it's just down to labeling and defining things that he is comfortable with that make sense to him so maybe as he gets older he'll be asking more questions and redefining things um and I think Probably what makes it slightly easier for me um, is that my two kids have been born into an alternative family anyway. So they had two moms and a dad that was a donor that he knows Mm. as dad. And so that is already an alternative family. So he's kind of used to right from the beginning having a family that's a bit different from everybody else. And that's always kind of worried me a little bit because you don't really want your kids to be different. But at the same time, it, I'm seeing a lot of the benefits from it now. So he's got like some best friends at school, and he tells me, oh, I'm going to marry him. He's my best friend. You know, he doesn't see any issue in same sex marriage, surprisingly, because that's, you know, what he's grown up in. But it's already, yeah. he can already see that there's things that are in mainstream media that don't match his experience. And that's OK. That's just, you know, that he can still have all those choices, even if the majority of things that he sees are, you know, um, man and wife and two people in a family unit. And he's already experiencing something different. So, yeah, I think that's kind of made that transition a little easier for me because we were already not particularly matching the kind of mainstream view of what a family looks like.
1: Yeah. Um and I think, you know, while being careful and consider thinking about how to talk to the kids about things, it's never seemed, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's other things to come, but it's never seemed really stressful or really, you know, it's, it's had difficult moments. But I mean, if I imagine hiding it from them and saying, you know, denying that you're having a relationship with this person that they kind of know they're not sure who they are. I mean that seems so much worse to me that, that, that seems like it would be just full of issues really because you know I'm able to talk to the kids have discussions where you're helping them understand things rather than you know denying that they're happening or because I, I mean I, hopefully less so now but I think that and days gone by that would have been more the approach is that well you know you don't don't let kids know about these things anything that could involve romance or sex or something out of the order, they're better off not knowing about and yeah I just I don't agree I mean uh, that seems way more stressful and potentially harmful Absolutely and I of, suppose
0: it's giving us the opportunity to open up these conversations with them that maybe mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had before so that Actually, yeah. be seen as a positive of having you know children experience polyamory around them with their parents is that you're having these conversations about right, so who is that person, and as they get older, you can give more detail. I mean, you're never going to be telling your kids about your sex life, that isn't appropriate. No. Um, but if they have questions about things, then you know, you want to be encouraging them to ask questions I know that it's definitely encouraged my son to ask more questions about just relationships Mm -hmm. in general which I think can only be a good thing more information is always going to be helpful for him making his own choices about what his relationships look like so I do see that as a positive which brings us on to our final area of discussion which Mm. is about the benefits and challenges of having kids while being polyamorous so that is one of the benefits that I have seen is that it is opening up these opportunities for discussion around relationships that I think is really helping my son see that I mean in his head he's already told me what kind of relationship he wants in the future so he's got two best friends so he quite like to marry both of them they're both boys which is fine and uh, he wants to live in a castle with them so I was telling him well do you know of all of those things there's one thing that's slightly less possible for you and that's living in a castle but (laughs) but, you know knowing that he has these opportunities that things aren't mapped out for him if he doesn't want to marry a woman there's no pressure for him to marry a woman in the way that it would have been in the past and now he's even got this idea well if if I ended up loving two people I could marry them both like yes she could well not legally at the moment but you could certainly be in a relationship with both. Yeah. We haven't got down to the nitty-gritty of what's legally allowed. Yeah, so that, yeah. that's definitely been
1: a benefit. And I think some people will struggle to hear that depending on your values or how traditional you are, I mean, because to me that just sounds great, you know. Um, but I think that's where you can face the, the the robbing of innocence or the corruption kind of thing, but I mean, who knows what percentage would think that way. That's the criticism you can kind of imagine coming at you if, if you told someone who wasn't sympathetic to Polly about that. But then again...
0: And, you I, and I would you totally argue life. back at them that giving your children choices and options is far better than mm. telling them this is how you have to live your life and then them feeling pressured into living it that way. Because even though the yeah, majority definitely. of people still choose monogamy, and if my children chose to be monogamous, I'm not going to say they're wrong. That is a valid option. And I definitely mm-hmm. think that giving, raising your children to know that there are lots of options and that they choose what feels comfortable for them and makes them happy. That is the important thing. And actually, Eli Sheff um, from her studies has found that, um, that actually a lot of the kids don't go on to have polyamorous relationships. Um, I mean, they're all still I think they are all still young adults, the ones that she's followed through the years. So so they're still just kind of in the early stages of having romantic relationships. But when she was asking the um, the children who were part of these polyamorous families how they saw their relationships going in the future, there were ones that said, absolutely, I want to be polyamorous. I've seen it work Mm. really well for my parents. There were others that said, oh, absolutely not. Uh, I want to be monogamous, that all just seems like too much work. But the majority were somewhere in the middle that said, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, not right now, but maybe in the future. And so I think, yeah, so even from her little study, it doesn't, it doesn't actually make children follow the same path as their parents or anything. But what it does give them is options.
1: Yeah. And that can, yeah, that can only be a positive to me, really. Uh, I mean, the article, spoke of the on the Rachel Hope's article on medium.com. dot com. How how I talk to my kids about polyamory is what it is named. She talks about laying this foundation um of of information and you know, the foundation of, of those options, presenting them as you know she kinda of calls it planting seeds, um which I think is happening to us all the time when we're kids I mean we're we're looking around as we're being influenced by things and then I think we tend to our, our views and the way we do things in our life after that is, is based on a lot of these little things we've picked up here or there and, and decided to go with or not so yeah I mean an advantage of of poly with kids has been having these conversations actually I mean it's not it's not always just been a thing to get out of the way I mean, it's. Yeah, it's more complicated relationship stuff, but I'm kind of happy for my kids to, they're having relationships every day at school. Our life is relationships, we're interacting with people all the time. Um, I've enjoyed being able to have or start at least these conversations with them.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what they were describing as the benefits, you know, both Eli Chef and um, Dr. Barker was saying that both find that the children of polyamorous people just seems to have that emotional resilience as a result Mm. of having these conversations, having all this kind of open communication and honesty amongst Mm -hmm. the family in general. So yeah, it's going to definitely build up the, the skills that the children will have in forming their own relationships, which is great. I mean, there's some really... Kind of practical benefits as well that the kids definitely love, which is things like just more resources. There are more adults around for them to get to know, more attention that they, they can get from new people coming and going yeah. and more yeah. presents. You know, you get my yeah, kids' presents, birthday yeah. presents, I buy your kids' birthday presents, you know, kids have got a kids love presents. So little kind of fun things like that. Just more variety, more knowledge around them. You know, so yeah. the more adults with all these different jobs that they do, bringing in all these skills and knowledge to teach. I mean, my, my son loves that you know loads about wrestling. So he yeah. loves asking you questions <laughs> about wrestling and all the famous wrestlers. And have you met this one?
1: Yeah, it's just hard for me to see any of that as a bad thing. You know, I mean, what is wrong with having more relationships like that in your life? Like, I mean... We are only one person each. We've only got so much yeah, knowledge or capacity, or we have certain ways we do things. And um, you know, I've really in- enjoyed seeing my kids interact with you because you do things differently than I do. not um, the origami? Yeah, origami. I wouldn't have. Skill. Probably, probably wouldn't have got a little, uh, around to doing that with them. Um, and, you know, just yeah, weight things you talk about, games you play. The ways you interact with them, you know, I mean, it's, we all kind of have our go-to modes for that, I think. And, you know, yeah, your your friends can do that as well. And like, I have friends that the, the kids know and, and they get some of that with as well. Um, but I, I guess with Polly, you're you're probably seeing that person more than you see most of your friends. It, you know, it's got that extra layer on the relationship. And so I think to the kids, it has an extra layer as well.
0: Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, a lot of this can be provided by, you know, friends and other family members, and they will get that too. My kids yeah. you know, have their grandparents and things in their life a lot as well. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that they get to see that they do not get as much from that side are the kind of early loving relationships.
1: It's beneficial for the kids to see a bit of that and to be able to see some relationships to that they can consider and and have thoughts about um
0: or just relationships at so, different stages as well because if yeah you've got because otherwise how,
1: yeah otherwise when are they seeing the relationships in other in other stages maybe just when they're going through it themselves
0: yeah
1: and uh, you know you're you're learning off each other at, at that age and yeah no one's got any experience and you know I mean, maybe if, it actually helps
0: if this podcast is still going in like 10 years time how great would it be to get our kids on and be like right so how did you actually find growing up with polyamorous parents and they can tell us like (laughs) their true experience and we're saying yeah these things are going to be great for the kids they're going to love that and they'll have picked something else out that they maybe find really helpful that we didn't even consider so yeah yeah 10 year goal is to have our kids on the the podcast yeah. telling us how things actually went from their perspective. That would yeah. be hilarious.
1: will be holograms or something by that point. Technology yeah. will have moved on.
0: And other things, nah. actually, just thinking about our kids is another benefit of um, us being polyamorous is that they now have these other kids that they can go and hang out with.
1: We, yeah.
0: had, we were crazy enough to take them all on a weekend away, one weekend back in. Yeah, was it November that we did that
1: Yeah, November. I mean,
0: it was wild. There was all sorts of activities going on. So <laughs>
1: there's yeah, that as
0: well. More kids.
1: Yeah, that, that was a really good weekend. I think they all really enjoyed it. Um,
0: we were exhausted.
1: Yeah, it was tiring for us, but uh, yeah. And I'm sure you know. I'm sure it gave them lots to think about as well. And yeah, you get that. You know, they they still don't know each other that well, but I think they got to know each other better over that weekend and. That stuff's just fun, you know. I mean, it was it's another experience for them. Like, you know, they talk about that weekend still or that holiday home, and yeah, I just think it's enriching that stuff. Uh, yeah. And also, it's not it's not all the time. It's not you know, one day it was mum, dad, and the two kids, and then the next day, two kids and another adult moved in with them or something like that. You know, I mean, it's I think with Polly, we you can uh, maybe have more control because I mean for you and I anyway like we're not financially dependent on each other or, or sharing a house so probably I think maybe you get a control that you know maybe couples that have have separated and ended and you know moved in with another partner and things like that they maybe don't get that luxury of, of controlling the time and the, the space as much so and you know if they're doing what they have to do as well. But um,
0: Yeah and then there's yeah, no like uh, there's no not one way is better than the other but it's certainly it's a benefit of the way that we're doing it is that yeah we get to yeah have a bit of control over when they get to see each other how long that is for um oh and then they get to go back to their home and the others get to go back to their other home and then they get to meet up again and I suppose it's similar to kind of you know have I suppose having cousins and things it is like just creating yeah. this bigger extended family, which is really nice yeah. because my kids don't get to see their cousins quite so often because they just time. We don't have as much time mm-hmm. to be hanging out with my family and so it's nice. Yeah, it's just this other people, other kids, other adults, there's lots of extras that come into their life that I think I definitely see as a benefit. How about challenges? Because we're painting this absolutely amazing, perfect painting. I know.
1: End of podcast.
0: (laughs) We have to be realistic and say that obviously there are challenges. There are challenges to having kids full stop. So, obviously, having kids within a a more complicated relationship structure is obviously going to have some challenges. So, for me, um, well, I think just time. One of the challenges of polyamory for me is time. Anyway, finding enough time to spend with partners. So when you add kids into that mix, you've got obviously even less time to spend with a partner because you've got to do all the things with your kids. You've got school runs to do. You've got swimming clubs to take them to. Um, Just recently, I went away with my ex and we went on holiday for the weekend with the kids. So that obviously takes Mm -hmm. up a chunk of time. So it definitely limits your time because you've got so many more responsibilities. Um, you know, that doesn't change. You're not suddenly dumping your kids to have lots of partners. Um, you're trying to integrate all of that together.
1: It does yeah, get challenging
0: it, to timetable all of that.
1: Yeah, because as a parent, I mean, you you get limited time where you're getting a, a chance to go away and do something by yourself anyway. I mean, you've only, you've only got a certain amount of time away from the kids that you that you choose to have um so then if yeah if you're in a situation like we are where we both have kids then yeah you you can't suddenly hugely increase the amount of time that you have child free and so i think that is like we were talking about earlier today that's that has been a challenge for us is you know accepting that we we both have kids and we chose to have kids and we want to have kids but i think we do find it hard to get that child free time together um for longer than a few hours, you know, you, sometimes you kind of steal the, the time when you can.
0: Um, yeah, but, but yeah. what I thought was, was quite, um, it was quite good to read when the thing that I said earlier that Eli Sheff found that the kids not being the sole focus of their parents is good for them. Because I think sometimes we worry, mm-hmm. don't we, that, oh, we're, yeah. maybe we've, you know, we've gone out for a walk, the two of us are chatting while the kids are running around, you know, mm-hmm. doing playing or whatever oh, are we ignoring the kids? Should we be spending more time with them? Well, actually, you know, she has found that it's good to not be, to let the kids get that little bit of independence and freedom. And so even if we are stealing little moments of time here and there, it isn't really having a negative effect on our kids. I think part of, you know, there's there is this pressure in society to be the perfect parent and, you know, to give all of your attention to your children and to do mm-hmm. oh all the clubs that you can possibly sign them up to and to teach them everything and to get them into classical music. And, you know, there's just, there's so many things you can't do at all. And actually hearing that there's a benefit to just giving them a bit of freedom and space and letting yourself have a bit of enjoyment with a partner while they're maybe playing in the park or while they're downstairs watching TV and maybe you're just chilling upstairs, watching another TV separately um, that actually there's benefits to that because it, it helps build their resilience, their independence, their sense of freedom. And I hadn't quite thought about it in that way. I just I just have felt a bit guilty that maybe I've been letting my kids go out and play in the garden while we've been sat having a cup of coffee and a chat together. Um, maybe I should be spending yeah. more time with my kids. It's like, well, no, they, they should be allowed to just go and play by themselves and give us a bit of peace.
1: Yeah, and all, I know. Mean, and you are. You're in the. You're in the same house, and you You're watching them play as we have coffee. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I definitely struggle with this. Like, I feel uh, because I go away for work as well as you know. Like, I definitely have issues where I feel guilty about, oh, am I not paying the kids enough attention? Which logically I know that I am, and I actually see them, you know, a lot. Uh, but yeah. I like I feel way more guilty about it than I. Uh, looking back at my own childhood, um, you know, pretty normal. I feel more guilty about it than bad. When I was, you know, when I was a child, I didn't feel that bad if my mom and dad weren't giving me attention all the time. I don't, I don't think. Uh, so I, I feel like uh it's not balanced in my brain. I, I feel way too guilty about something that's not really that I don't really think is an issue and I didn't experience as an issue when I was a child but uh, yeah you just you know you're a conscientious parent and you want to do yeah sure. you want to be the best.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Eli Chef says it's fine and she's a doctor so don't argue with her.
1: Yeah she knows. She knows what's um, good for the kid. Yeah exactly.
0: But it I th- does I think, I think sometimes cannot... sorry you go ahead.
1: Uh, no I, I think that kind of links on to another but a related challenge um if you're ready to move on to that, or did you have something? Well, like I, was, to I was just
0: going to say that, yeah, that, that kind of level of guilt. I think all parents feel guilt. They're not doing enough. They're not hitting all these yeah, amazing I mean, that, yeah. parenting highs. Um, but I think that sometimes if you're doing a slightly alternative relationship, that's going to add to your guilt because you feel that judgment a bit from other people, especially think, when yeah. when people hear that you're polyamorous and they know you have children they often bring that up as a oh how are the how are the kids finding that so you feel that judgment from others so it's obviously not that strange that we both feel a little bit guilty of oh am i giving my child enough attention but you're right you know that is not something i i wasn't like constantly entertained by my parents while i was growing up and I, i felt no harm from that you know i think it is good to let your kids run free and go and play in their rooms by themselves or go and play out in the garden go out for a walk play in the park and you're not chatting to them the whole time I think sometimes yeah this added scrutiny from the fact that we are polyamorous and that people seem to have a fear about how that will affect their kids must make us have this kind of subconscious oh maybe I need to be doing extra to show that yeah. polyamory is not affecting my kids. And actually, we're we're not doing anything different, really.
1: No, than I know. And I think parents. it can that mindset, because I've felt it as well, you think, well, you have to do extra, but then you're sort of pandering to maybe the imaginary criticism that you, you're doing something wrong and so you need to overcompensate. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I mean, again, when you rationally think about it um, and you take away that inner critic... I mean we just look at specific examples of of you and I with the kids I mean we've taken them in various combinations and probably more trips than they were going on before for me Um, you know um, you're making a a new bond with kids who don't know you so you you do kind of make a bit of it you make an extra effort to to find out what they like or you know a a shared activity that you can do Um, that shouldn't be seen as yeah, well, you have to do that because, ugh, you know, otherwise thing, you're, what you're doing is really harming these kids. It's not. And it could just be seen as that was great that you took them bullying or, you know, you you got them this book and talked about it together or something like that. I mean, it shouldn't be seen as overcompensating to cover up something that is wrong. not a, a yeah. positive influence. Yeah, yeah.
0: We're not doing anything wrong to begin with. It's just yeah, yeah. that that added pressure that we do feel we are judged even by friends and family who are doing it in well-meaning ways yeah yeah, there there is definitely a judgment there when especially when people find out you're polyamorous and you have children oh that's got to be something bad in there somewhere. yeah what was the other challenge that you were going to raise
1: um yeah well again this won't be unique to poly this will it would be interesting to talk to you know, step parents and things like that. But um, your parenting styles are very evident to each other. You know, you're in that close space with each other's kids, and you probably have differences in the way that you parent. Oh, you I mean, think, like, do! We, you? Do we have differences? Yeah. in... <laughs> <laughs> I'm very strict, as you know. Uh, oh
0: yes, yeah, super strict. You're <laughs> super strict, and I'm like totally laid
1: back till privacy. Uh, <laughs> <pushover>, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this, this is obviously, for people listening, this is a bit of a running joke that we have with each other. We definitely have very different parenting styles. And I think the main, the main reason for that is that I'm a teacher, you know, so <laughs> teachers, well... Not all teachers, but, you know, teachers have a certain way that they're used to managing a big classroom of people. So that time that we went away for that weekend, oh, I was on full on primary teacher mood.
1: Yeah, balloon
0: modeling. We had everything was organized to the minute, I think. I was like, right, that's our uh, crafting session over. We're now moving on to (laughs) military precision uh, weekend planning by me. It went well.
1: Yeah. That no, it did go well. Yeah, um, it's a it's a challenge rather than a, a negative because
0: yeah.
1: I think we've both learned from each other in the process of of sorting this stuff out. But you know, as child, you do, you know you have you have to have chats before of is it okay for you know I see your child misbehaving? Can I should I step in? Can I step in? What you know? What's the What's the bar for me yeah, to well, do something well, uh, the like discussions
0: that. that? Yeah, the discussions between us have been, do you want me to help? Are you, have you got mm-hmm. this yourself? Do you need my, my help with this? Yeah, and I suppose you're right. It's probably quite similar to the issues that a step-parent would experience. Yeah. Because you're, you have a partner and maybe their children are just being, you know, being usual children, very energetic, running around, being silly, not listening or whatever. And you can see that they're struggling do you Mm. leave them to it do you help should you you know yeah it is definitely one of those gray areas that perhaps step parents will have a kind of an understanding of this difficulty that we we experience yeah
1: and i think for us i mean all of this is very much a work in progress still um it's just been discussion hasn't it it's yeah there's there's it's going to be different approaches are going to work for different uh, parents and different kids, but I think yeah, the discussion has has been essential because yeah, it, it is challenging. Um, well, way more fun bits and positive things than the challenges, but you know the challenges are still important. But then it's so it's th- another think...
0: one, yeah, it's another one of those areas where it's opening up communication between us. We're having discussions about things that you know maybe you wouldn't. You wouldn't have those discussions with friends or family. You would just kind of step back because we have that closer relationship. It can be challenging, but it's good to have some of those discussions about, well, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to help? Am I I making things worse? Should I go over here? I'll go for a walk. You deal with that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think one other challenge that I have not experienced whatsoever yet, but it is a worry of mine is that as my kids get older and they're at school and they're surrounded by um, other children whose families are so different to theirs and yeah. they're talking about I mean I suppose there's there is a lot of variety in families these days so maybe this is a, a an unfair fear of mine but I do worry about my kids feeling different to their peers you know people want to fit in and
1: yeah
0: already my kids have got two moms, so that already makes them a little bit different. They've got two mm-hmm. moms and they also have other partners. But then I suppose you've got so many varieties of families these days. You've got single parents, you've got parents who are divorced and remarried. So you would have lots of children talking about, well, dad and his girlfriend and mom and her boyfriend or whatever. Yeah, That kind of chat isn't actually that unusual anymore. So perhaps this will just slot into one of the many family models there are.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Um, Yeah, I I think I expect to hear about some comment made at some point, because that's what school and especially high school is like. Uh, I think the plan is just, you know, you try and raise your kids to be confident in themselves if, if you can. And, you know, yeah, there's seems like a good chance someone's going to make some remark at some point but uh, kids can find a hundred things to make a remark or to to, you know give other kids a hard time about so that's
0: true I mean that's true like we're we're we are worrying because yeah I suppose we've they have a very different setup in their families than most but you're right kids would find something even if they had the most mainstream normal, in um, air quotes, family yeah. setup, there would still be something that people would yeah, take the mickey about or be mean about. So yeah. it is a fear, though. It is a worry. And I suppose that's why we talk about, you know, trying to build resilience and just, yes, give our kids the tools to discuss it. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: to if someone is going to ask them questions, then we give our kids... Supportive ways to answer it,
1: yeah. Which you know is what we were talking about near the start with the the conversations and the, the foundations and the planting seeds and yeah, you're hopefully giving them the tools that are going to stand them in good stead later on.
0: Definitely. Any other challenges that you could think of? I'm sure there's loads that we've just not even considered because we've not got. Yeah.
1: Those. Well, no. I mean, I think as as I was saying it's a work in progress isn't it I think in a year's time we could do this podcast again and talk about yeah new benefits and challenges that have, that have happened with because you know our kids are both about the same age I could imagine the teenagers would have their own challenges that that they'll bring um, and yeah like we say I mean there's there's couples out there's polycules out there with, with newborns and everything as well so yeah I, I could definitely see as, coming back to this one um but no I, I think for the moment those those remind me those are the challenges that have kind of presented themselves most for us. Yeah I think, I, think. I,
0: I definitely find it easier to come up with benefits I mean there were obviously challenges that I came up with too but there definitely seemed to be a bigger list of benefits that I could list yeah. which I think answers that very first question of you know did our decision to become polyamorous was that influenced by the fact that we had kids and I suppose I made a similar list what could be the benefits of opening up my marriage and having other relationships versus what could be the risks and you know even now a year and a half two years into opening up I still can only come up with a smaller list of of challenges versus all the benefits that that I get and I think one of the things we haven't actually talked about that I did note down was that You know, I definitely believe that if you, if the parents are happy, that is going to have a really positive impact on children. So I get happiness for being polyamorous and Mm -hmm. that is an important factor. It sounds like a selfish factor. It is selfish to want me to be happy, obviously. But I think that sometimes we do have this attitude of parents should be sacrificing their happiness for their children. And I actually don't think that that is a healthy way to do it. I think self-care is so important for anyone, not just polyamory, for for all parents, for all people. Everyone should be looking after themselves. That isn't a selfish thing to do. That's a healthy thing to do. Because the healthier you are, the better you are in your relationships and in parenting, without doubt. So I think because I am happier in a polyamorous relationship, that that is going to make me a better parent because I don't feel as trapped as I did in uh, monogamy.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. I mean, um, it can be tempting to try and be the martyr and you know talk about how much you've sacrificed, but you just absolutely you absolutely do sacrifice things for your kids and you know yeah. you, you do it gladly really again. like us say it was the choice that we made, the, the choice we want you know, we want to have kids have a family like that. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean you completely ignore your own happiness and become an unhappy person. Because yeah, it'd be daft to think your kids don't know if you're happy or unhappy. They're pretty observant. They are. So yeah, it's the same for me. Being being in polyamory is, is where I want to be, and so that can make me happier. And for me, that makes me a better
0: dad. And you show it so well on your face and your enthusiastic voice. And- <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna work on yeah. on this uh your <laughs> your enthusiastic voice tell tell me again how much does being polyamorous make you happy?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, it makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait no, till we start having like comments about people. <laughs> Saying, you know, oh, I, we really love your podcast. Is is, is Adam all right? <laughs> is he happy? Have you got him chained up somewhere answering these questions no. you don't let him leave? No. Uh, I,
1: can, <laughs> I can say it guess
0: <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> I can I be the enthusiastic one.
1: Can can put some cheery music behind
0: it. Well, every time you speak, we can have a little jingle or yeah. something.
1: <laughs> okay. I, I think for me, that's probably a good um, point to leave it at for now. Like I say, I fully really expect to be talking about all this again in the future because it is our everyday life, being polyamorous and, and having kids. Um, but yeah, it was nice to think about especially the benefits of it there. I think um, sometimes it's good to list off the, the really positive things in your life. So so thank you for doing that with me.
0: Yeah, that was huge. you're right. I think sometimes everybody focuses on the problems that they're experiencing in life and we don't focus enough on all the benefits and the good things that we're experiencing ourselves and also allowing our kids to experience so yeah it's it's a good it's it's a good thing to list all the positive things that you've done um and within polyamory even more so because it is challenging
1: yeah here here okay right well until the next time we do this
0: again Ten years, get yeah.
1: kids on. <laughs> ten years, yeah. Holograms, okay. Or
0: maybe, maybe just next year. Next year, we'll be saying.
1: Yeah, ten years is ambitious. <laughs> we'll,
0: we'll a year, definitely... a
1: yearly progression. It'd be interesting to see a yearly progression. Okay, thanks, Kelly. Thanks everyone for listening.
0: Thank we you. We will
1: see you next time. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Game Changer or Garbage
0: a podcast about alternative living, where we explore various practices and ideas to determine whether they will enhance our lives or waste our time.
1: Game changer or garbage. Now in this episode, we're going to be looking at sound baths, which is something Kelly has tried out and I have not.
0: Okay, I will start with a little excerpt from a diary entry. I scanned the Bedouin tent looking for some floor space to lay out my yoga mat. My fellow retreat buddies were already wrapped in blankets or putting on hats and socks. I was still hot from the yoga session, but I was advised to wrap up as a 60-minute sound bath got chilly, even on a warm summer day. As I slipped on my socks, I spotted two large gongs and a collection of singing bowls and bells in the corner of the large tent. The instructor called for hush and explained that we were about to go on a cosmic journey. I tried to keep a straight face, but there was probably a subtle eye roll playing out nonetheless. I'd enjoyed the retreat this far, but there had definitely been moments of biting my tongue and suppressing giggles as my peers recounted experiences of spiritual awakening or Reiki healing. Each time I reminded myself that I couldn't judge without trying it myself. I'd promised myself and my therapist that I was going to try to be more open to new experiences. All my scepticism had got me so far was missed opportunity. I lay back and got myself comfortable. At the very worst, I could take a nice 60-minute nap.
1: Yeah, which is no bad thing, is it?
0: <laughs> Definitely not.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember that this was... In the summer? S- yeah, so five, six months ago. I remember talking to you, I think, the night, maybe out, did you, in the afternoon, was it that you actually had the sound bath? I, I think I spoke mm. to you that day or the next it day. It was the
0: it was at the end of the retreat, so it was the final day on okay. Sunday.
1: yeah. And yeah, I remember you had been sceptical. So sceptical. Which is which is fine. So well, should we should we
0: talk about what exactly a sound bath is for anybody that hasn't maybe come yeah. across the term before?
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: So yeah, so what is a sound bath? Because I had absolutely no idea when I was going to this retreat. I was mainly there for yoga. Um, because I love yoga and I've had lots of experience of yoga, but obviously the retreat included lots of other wonderful experiences that I had never heard of. And a sound bath was one of them. So I, I thought maybe there did involve it did involve a bath of some kind. But what a sound bath actually is, it's a full body listening experience where sound and vibrations are used to nurture both body and mind. Um, it's usually done laying down wrapped up in blankets as i discovered getting yourself comfortable and then there'll be somebody leading the sound bath it often follows either a yoga session or a meditation session and um, the person leading it will then use different instruments so these common instruments would be things like Gongs, tuning forks, singing bowls, things like that. It can last anywhere from between, I don't know, 30 minutes to about an hour. And it's all about trying to get you into a state of deep relaxation. So that is what a sound bath is.
1: So I mean, it definitely sounds good. Um...
0: Yeah. And I mean, like, I had never even heard of one. So I didn't know what the kind of pros or cons were. I hadn't really heard anybody's general opinions on it. Um, but after experiencing it, I did kind of look up, did a bit of Googling and I did look up what, um, what it's supposed to help you with. So, yeah, the general idea is to help relax you, to get you into that um, rest and digest sort of parasympathetic nervous system working. It's supposed to be very good for managing anxiety. There have been quite a few studies carried out, not loads, but some and there's evidence that it can be good to prevent risks of certain chronic conditions like heart disease diabetes anything that can obviously be made worse through stress and things like fatigue and depression it's supposed to help Mm -hmm. relieve some of those issues and yeah so it's supposed to be that, that certain sounds activate the parasympathetic nervous system which then causes your muscles to relax, breathing to slow, and blood pressure and heart rate to lower. So these are supposed to be the positive effects of a sound bath. It doesn't come without criticism as well though, Mm -hmm. so there are some of the obvious criticisms of anything that is a little bit alternative, which is that it's just another new age fad, and, or just people criticizing it for not having enough scientific research. But you know, when things are kind of new and alternative, and not the standard traditional way of doing things, it takes a while to build up that sort of yeah, research.
1: yeah. I know. So yeah, you don't have. Does that mean you have to wait for the mm, the paper exactly. to come out before you before you try it out? Or or and enjoy there are it. some
0: studies. There are there are studies that show that it does seem to have this positive relaxing effect.
1: Yeah they did a study a few years back asked people if they're in pain at the start are they feeling the pain as much after after the sound bath and generally people didn't they felt better heart rate and vitals that indicate anxiety improved when people had the sound bath I'm sure these things are easily argued either way Um it doesn't seem like an unenjoyable thing to go through it definitely seems like well, what's the worst that can happen when you're doing this well
0: exactly and I think that that when I was trying to look up if there were any strong criticism towards Siren baths, there really wasn't because, yeah, yeah it's it's not like it, there's not much that you're going to do. You're not yeah. taking anything. You're not doing anything strenuous or anything that could cause an injury. So there's none of the kind of risks that you might get in other alternative um things that you might try it is literally just lying there and letting someone play musical instruments around you
1: yeah so yeah so i mean the skeptic going in isn't thinking maybe the worst they're thinking is us oh, is a rip off 40 pounds for an hour or, yes, or whatever yeah. it was they're not thinking it's going to do any harm or you know say yeah you're doing it as part of a retreat like yourself or it's not a extra cost maybe your worry could be oh, am I? am i expected to come out of this you know maybe the expectation is I'm going to everyone's going to find it so great and so relaxing what if I come out of it not feeling like that you know, know if, yeah. yeah
0: yeah maybe having too high expectations going in if people are telling you that it's amazing and then you don't feel what they felt mm. and yeah maybe you'd feel Disappointed.
1: Yeah, did did I do it wrong? Yeah,
0: did you somehow mess up a sound bath? So, would you like to hear about my experience of a sound bath?
1: Yeah, definitely would.
0: So, obviously, I told you how it started there in that little diary excerpt. Um, So, as soon as I had kind of laid back, everyone else around me, um, I was the only person there who had never experienced a sound bath. So, that was um, a little scary. Um, being the only newbie to it, mm-hmm. but also quite exciting. I think everybody was like, oh, quite looking forward to see what Kelly makes of this because we've all experienced it. And, mm. yeah, I suppose it's that kind of that first timer thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, so she started playing all the instruments. So there was definite gongs going on, but she's started to think a lot lighter than that. I think we had some kind of bells, some singing bowls. And there was definitely a point. So it was like sixty minutes of this. Mm. So to begin with, I was probably a little kind of lying there, not fully relaxed, because I was just unsure about what was going to happen, and also because she did say, if mm. you feel uncomfortable, do not get up and leave. Um, you need to, you know, kind of slowly release yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of feeling scared. Actually, it was mm. like, oh, what? I can't. If if this suddenly gets really uncomfortable. I am i can't just look up and leave. But I suppose, you know, she wanted to be able to kind of bring me back down or something if, if that happened. But anyway, so quite soon into it, um, I could definitely feel these really strong vibrations in my head and my chest. It was, you know, I think especially from the singing bowls, it seemed to have such a really loud vibration that I could I could feel it almost uncomfortable in my head. It was such a loud vibrating sound. So yeah, there was definitely elements of discomfort, which I didn't think an, a musical instrument could have that sort of... Mm-hmm. And then I think a bit further through it, because I think I was maybe feeling a bit resistant. I didn't want to, I don't know, relax or let myself go too much. But after a while, yeah, I was so just, I guess immersed in the experience it's very hard not to be everyone else is quiet the only thing that you can hear are these instruments being played and there was definitely a point where i could feel i don't know it felt like something burst in my chest a bit not anything like scary or dangerous it didn't feel like i'd injured myself but Mm -hmm. there was like a sudden energy or something in my chest and then i felt like i dropped through the floor Wow So yeah That was a bit weird I definitely was not expecting Anything so physical
1: Yeah wow Drop through the floor That's uh, I, I remember Talking to you at the time And yeah I think that whole Weekend had an effect on you But yeah Like knowing you That's not just something you you can see say lately that was no exactly. it obviously had a had a I mean a I think substantial effect you,
0: you probably had the most contact with me outside of that retreat <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think I definitely felt really weird sending you all these messages about stuff that I had been really skeptical about because I, I felt when I was messaging I felt totally out of it as yeah. well <laughs> do <Yeah>. you remember <laughs>
1: No, I probably didn't I probably didn't come across uh, to the extent that I kind of now know that you are. Um, so what, I mean, uh, how far through it do you think that kind of the bursting feeling, the bursting chest, the dropping through the floor happened?
0: Yeah, I think that was probably coming towards the end of it. So we'd probably been going about 40 minutes or mm. something. I mean, it's it didn't feel like a really long slog. I no. remember thinking 60 minutes of just lying here and someone playing instruments. Ugh, is that going to be like really boring? Maybe I'll fall asleep. And some people did fall asleep, but in a, a good way. Like yeah. they find it relaxing, which I guess is the aim. But um, I think I was tense because I just wasn't sure what to expect.
1: Yeah, I can imagine.
0: And maybe, I don't know, maybe that was me letting go of the tension or something. I'm not sure. But yeah, about 40 minutes in or something, that's when I suddenly felt this, yeah, kind of, it's very hard to describe, but some sort of big burst of energy in my chest and then yeah this kind of feeling of like falling through the floor yeah it was just really disorientating a bit
1: and so would you would you differentiate it from you know that half asleep state when you're having a nap on the couch or or even just when you're almost asleep at night?
0: Yeah, yeah it was di- definitely different from that it wasn't i wasn't waking up because i didn't go to sleep i was very awake the entire way through I don't, I don't understand how some people did fall asleep because it was such a loud, mm. vibrating sound that was going through your head.
1: Yeah, I mean, because my only experience of sound baths really was uh, when I was at Bitterfield. I'd walk past the tent where people were getting sound baths and, yet yeah, it's not quiet. It's, no. It's, uh, I can imagine you'd feel um, totally encompassed by it, really, when you were in there.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, after it, so everyone was kind of sitting up and there was lots of kind of different responses to it some people were like wow that is like the best sound bath i've ever had which i was like wow that's the only sound bath i've ever had mm. so maybe it's been too intense <laughs> for a newbie like me some people were just really quiet and just left and didn't mm. say anything but it it had an effect on everybody you could totally yeah. tell so I didn't feel alone in the fact that it had an effect, but I did feel a lot of the people that I'd met there during the retreat who had become friends with, um, were looking at me saying, what did you think? This was your first sound bath, Where did you think? And I just I just wanted to leave. I, I still felt a bit uncomfortable, yeah. like because it had taken me a bit by surprise that it had an effect on me. So immediately yeah. afterwards, I think I felt a bit, you're know, just kind of out of sorts. Um, I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. I wasn't sure if I liked it or not. It just felt a bit, I don't know. I felt like I had loads of nervous energy, which felt really weird. And as the day went on, the nervous energy kind of built up and I felt really uncomfortable and jittery. And I just wanted to Afterwards. walk around. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I was like walking around trying to kind of, I just wanted to shake it off or something. It felt like there was... So what, you think
1: that nervous energy started when people started asking you about it?
0: No, no, no. I think just from the sound bath. I think from that burst in the chest thing. I don't know if it just kind of set off some sort of relaxation thing that I'm not used to relaxing that much or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I can kind of imagine, you know, being someone who probably does carry, like me, carry around a certain tightness in the chest Mm. in general, certain kind of... Like inherent stress level, or something. <laughs> yeah. you know, Stressed that you're not. Yeah, I can imagine that it's not going to be oiled oh, at one time, but that's, you know, you're now relaxed without any issues. Is that, I mean, if you be like oiling a rusty wheel or part of you a machine or a rusty something wheel. like that, yeah. <laughs> you're old, you're. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't go from from that to where you want to get straight away, there's going to be some kind of friction.
0: Yeah, and... definitely. I think it definitely just, I was expecting nothing. I think that's, that's what it was. I was expecting to just lie there, get a bit bored and to feel nothing. And I was almost annoyed that I did have this mm. massive response. Cause it's like, no, no, I, I was, all set for this to be a whole load of nonsense
1: you thought you were going to be the one saying yeah it was nice and then make a little joke about how it's nice to just lie down or something,
0: (laughs) and then just walk but uh yeah it it, i felt it immediately after i just felt a bit like "Mm, i'm not sure if that felt comfortable and then as the rest of that afternoon went on maybe like within the next hour i was so full of nervous energy i felt like i couldn't sit down anywhere i just wanted to i don't know have it (sighs) taken away from me or something
1: did someone or maybe this was one of the other activities? Did, did someone not say to you like you'll need time to recover after this or something? Or you yeah. just done? Did you do something else just before it or so something? Yeah, like so yeah, so
0: before it we did um, some Kundalini yoga. Mm. Um, so there was yeah all the kind of movement and energy and then relaxing and the vibrations and the sound bath. So it was it was quite a big amount of activity that was going on. Mm. So, yeah, there was probably a lot of that as well. And it was coming to the end. It was the last day of the retreat, so the the two days before that had been full of lots of other things that we were doing. Hmm. So it probably was like this build-up to this final day.
1: Yeah, so it's probably worth putting it in the context of that as well. Um, Be as tricky with these things. I mean, I think that's when you're looking for the the scientific proof for stats. and There are so. I mean, although, you know, the things we've been reading... uh, so often said, research is limited on these. It's mm-hmm. there's not that there's no research; there is, but yeah, it's a bit of leap of faith or just curiosity to think, mm-hmm. "Well, I'll try it, and see how I see how I feel." And yeah, if I wonder if you'd had that sound bath after work one day,
0: if how a different, it would have effect. been. Yeah.
1: But I mean, you know, maybe it would. I mean, or maybe it would have had a different, equally as substantial effect. Yeah.
0: I think, yeah, I think the fact that I had been already on this retreat for two days. I was already a bit more open, a bit more relaxed. I'd mm. become comfortable with the people I was there with. There'd been lots of chat about all these alternative practices. And I was curious, I was skeptical, um, but I was open, way more open than I normally am mm. to these things. So that probably enhanced the experience. But yeah, I, I definitely cannot get away from the fact that it had this big impact on just how I felt physically, not just, well, that was nice. I feel like I could try that again. Like physically I couldn't sit down comfortably. I was just full of nervous energy and I ended up, there was hot tubs there. So someone suggested, well, why don't you go and relax in a hot tub for a bit? Maybe that'll help.
1: Mm, And it did. almost drowned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fell asleep, drowned. We're now talking in the afterlife. so yeah, I had to I had to try. I was just, I was desperate to try anything to get rid of this weird yeah, nervous yeah. energy that just seemed to be, like I couldn't and relax. That wa-
1: and that wasn't there before the sound. No, mm, it
0: definitely yeah. wasn't. So yeah, so I had the the hot tub and it relaxed me. And then I just had this massive urge to be by myself mm. and just go and lie somewhere away from everyone else. And so it was it a was nice summer day. It was quite windy, so it wasn't... That we'd had a really nice sunny day the day before, but this day was a bit more overcast and a bit windy. And so I'd been in this really hot, hot tub, and then just in my bikini, went and lay on a log (laughs) in the middle of this beautiful.
1: Comfortable log.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it was. It was like a hollowed out log. Okay. Um, and it was this beautiful garden, the, the The venue that we were at was this lovely garden in Kent with mm. old buildings and a few tents that people were staying in. And I just went and lay away from where everybody else was. And it was a slight wind and I just was lying there feeling quite warm from the hot tub and the wind just whipping around me and it just, that that is when I finally could relax. Mm and it was yeah this really bizarre feeling of being really connected to nature which sounds vomitingly hippie and nothing i would ever admit to saying Mm. and things i've definitely rolled my eyes about when other people have talked about oh i want to walk barefoot somewhere or i just feel so connected with nature but that those are the two things i wanted to do i wanted to just Mm. not put my shoes back on and walk everywhere barefoot, mm. and I felt hugely connected with nature. So suddenly, I had this realization of, okay, fine, all the hippies that I've criticized in the past, when they <laughs> say these things, it's not just silly hippie chat. Yes, come
1: from somewhere, yeah.
0: This is what they're feeling, and now I am feeling it, and I feel like a total bit of a hypocrite for ever kind of doubting that people are no, just saying these things for attention or to be weird or whatever. You shouldn't have thrown paint over that guy. Like, I really shouldn't months. have. <laughs> <laughs> I have never thrown paint over that one. That is absolutely a joke.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, like we say, we put it in context of the weekend, but I mean, that was, even even in that, you know, seeing it as part of a larger kind of experience, that was still obviously an important part of it or a trigger or a catalyst maybe. yeah to get you to that space um yeah it's not a not a small thing yeah it's it's hard to pinpoint what about that exactly would have would have made it go that way but maybe that's the beauty of it we don't need to know these things
0: yeah exactly the entire weekend the entire experience all built up to being perfect time to try a sound bath i suppose and Mm. have the most impactful experience from it mm-hmm. i definitely feel like that i mean maybe the person that was leading it was particularly skilled in it as well from what other people were saying so that obviously helped
1: yeah yeah i mean yeah if the whole group felt like it was a particularly good one and that's the as a beginner to with very little expectations that's a you'll never be able to recreate that state of mind now you will know, the next one you have
0: a certain expectation can help, but
1: compare it to that um which, yeah, it's just how it goes. But, yeah, nice to be in that position of no expectations, no reference point. I mm-hmm. think that could really open you up to it and maybe, and maybe it sounds like it did eventually mm. at the 40-minute mark when, know, kinda, <laughs> you know, you got past the skepticism.
0: And the thing is that, yeah, for even the day after that, I was so calm. I was I felt so connected to mm. other people and... I remember I had to walk down to the, the train station and I was so annoyed that I had to wear shoes to do it. And
1: yeah, which is not like you. It's not, like you. I it's mean, not I, I remember, me at all. Yeah, God you no. were tell me about it at the time and I remember thinking, yes.
0: Kelly's lost her mind.
1: <laughs> they said it was drug-free, this thing.
0: <laughs> it was a totally <laughs> yeah, sober yeah, retreat. Yeah, that, that is
1: actually worth pointing out that, that it was a a drug-free experience that, that you had dinner, wasn't it so
0: yeah there was no alcohol nothing no meat <laughs> not that i ate meat anyway but it was vegetarian no substances we drank water mm. <laughs> and yet i was probably really high from the experience mm. which is really really bizarre and yeah i had the urges to just walk barefoot everywhere which is like you said totally unlike me i usually roll my eyes at people who do stuff like that And I have to say sorry to them because, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Definitely the calmest I've ever felt, the most, I don't know, just in tune with myself. Even saying that makes me roll my eyes at myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think we roll our eyes at these things because we've never, I mean, one reason you could be rolling your eyes is because we've never experienced it. And so we think it's not real or it's not Mm -hmm. possible or... Or the yeah, we don't believe the individual person. You just think it's silly, or reason.
0: yeah, people are just saying silly things. Oh, a bunch of tree huggers who'd want to go and hug a tree, and oh, how silly of yeah. them to try these daft things.
1: Yeah, but it'd be hard to deny that the the sound bath on that day had a considerable effect on it. Did you and I mean, can you put yourself? Can you kind of feel the feeling? Does it feel like a memory now, just or can you sort of feel the
0: um the yeah? Feelings of it all? I think as the days went by it felt more like a memory and i'd kind of lost the connection and the feeling that i had so i suppose i think of it now as i I, there's been times where i think did i imagine those feelings you know have i was i just convinced by all the people around me that were much more into these activities than i was but i can't you know there's I, i I don't know why I'm trying to talk myself out of an experience that I actually had because really I should just accept I actually had this amazing yeah, no, experience. Yeah, even if you talked
1: yourself out of it now, I would know from talking to you at the time that, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not the case. It was definitely, you felt a lot from that, I could tell.
0: I did. Yep. And I would probably go and do it again. So you should ask me the question.
1: <laughs> so, sound baths, game changer or garbage?
0: definitely a game changer
1: okay well I think I should try and uh, find a way to take one myself then do you take it <laughs> take it run a sound bath <laughs> run with a sound do you run a it. sound bath for me yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know you've got to find someone to yeah, go and run you a sound bath yeah
1: yeah No. I, I, I think um it's something I would, I would try anyway. I, I just haven't yet. But no. I mean, you've
0: I mean, always been a bigger hippie than me. It's bizarre that I've tried I this know, thing before I know.
1: you. Um,
0: I've been a bigger hippie. I'm just not. I've been very resistant to anything that could be even slightly considered mm. hippie-ish. I'm getting there now.
1: Well, this was your, this was your entry point or well, exactly. one of your entry points anyway.
0: I mean, it, yeah, it definitely was. And I think that's that's why it's a game changer because it has opened me up to... Because it's, it's quite a... So it's quite a kind of understated mm. type of alternative therapy yeah. type thing to, yeah. to try out anyway. It's not, you know, one of these big in-your-face, you know, trying something totally yeah. out there. Skydiving yoga, yeah. Skydiving yoga, exactly. Um, or, you know, when people are taking, you know, um, medicinal Herbie type things where there's a certain amount of risk or people are doing things that, you um, yeah could could be i don't know just have a bigger impact this is a nice calm relaxing mm-hmm. you don't really have to do you just lie there you know it's not like you're having to contort your body into weird shapes or you yeah. have to chant anything bizarre or take part in some big group hug that makes you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. or chat about things that make you feel a bit
1: uncomfortable yeah it could you're be just lying remember.
0: there yeah <laughs> so it is a really nice low Low risk way to try something a bit different, and yeah, it has now opened me up to well, that had a really positive effect on me. Maybe I would try some of these things. I'm a bit more reluctant, I don't want to look so silly. Maybe I should just forget that, try and look silly, yeah, let go of that.
1: Yeah, so yeah, the whole point of someone being a game changer is it's a before and after, you know, some mm-hmm. change. it's not just game changer means good, you know, it could be good, be like, ah. Uh, I'm still the same. I'm not mm-hmm. open to anything else. I mean, yeah, I, I, at the time and now, I could tell this was at the very least part of a group of experiences and maybe a major experience, you know, a major part of it that has opened you up to other stuff and has made you think differently about the experiences and the people involved. So.
0: Yeah, and I think I definitely felt like even before the sound bath, I was feeling a connection with the people that I was there with. When I first met them on that first day, I felt so out of place. I felt Mm. these people are proper, you know, hippies. Mm. I don't know why I keep using the word hippie, because I don't really know what does that even mean anymore. That was more the kind of people in the 60s. But you know what I mean. The people into alternative medicine and, you know, alternative living, they they fit that profile and I know that I did not mm. or I certainly didn't used to and now I'm much more open to it but even by the end of that weekend I was feeling such a connection with every one of them in a way that I had felt maybe didn't feel that with some of my friends that mm. I've known for years just because you don't share that intense mm. an experience with friends You're, you, mm. know, you just do your day-to-day stuff whereas this was a really intense we're together for the entire weekend eating together trying out all these strange and wonderful new things together yeah things
1: that you yeah you can know someone for 10 years through work or being an acquaintance and you don't go through that with them so
0: yeah so maybe maybe not just sound bath but retreat game changer or garbage absolute game changer too Mm -hmm. so yeah
1: excellent so you would you would definitely recommend it then
0: Yep, double whammy. You should all go and have a sound bath at a retreat. <laughs>
1: Very good. Okay. Well, I will definitely try and seek one out. I'll definitely run. Do and, that. Run and take a sound bath. it
0: <laughs> <laughs> You can create your own version of running sound baths if you like. Yeah.
1: Great. Well. Okay. Sound baths gets the tick. Gets the game changer tick from us. It does. Um, let's see where we get up to, or one of us gets up to next time. Let's Thanks for sharing your sound bath experience. You're welcome. Bong, if you, like. <laughs> <laughs> you have to add, add some gongs and stuff into the Okay.
0: <laughs> the only thing that you can hear are these instruments being played. And there was definitely a point where I could feel, I don't know, it felt like something burst in my chest a bit, not anything like scary or dangerous, it didn't feel like I'd injured myself, but Mm -hmm. there was like a sudden energy or something in my chest. The only thing that you can hear are these instruments being played, and there was definitely a point where I could feel, I don't know, it felt like something burst in my chest a bit. Not anything like scary or dangerous. It didn't feel like I'd injured myself, but Mm -hmm. there was like a sudden energy or something in my chest. (music) The only thing that you can hear are these instruments being played. And there was definitely a point where I could feel, I don't know, it felt like something burst in my chest a bit. Not Mm. anything like scary or dangerous. It didn't feel like I'd injured myself, but Mm -hmm. there was like a sudden energy or something in my chest. The only thing that you can hear are these instruments being played. And there was definitely a point where I could feel, I don't know, it felt like something burst in my chest a bit. Not anything like scary or dangerous. It didn't feel like I'd injured myself, but there was like a sudden energy or something in my chest. The only thing that you can hear are these instruments being played. And there was definitely a point where I could feel, I don't know, it felt like something burst in my chest a bit not anything like scary or dangerous it didn't feel like I'd injured myself but there was like a sudden energy or something in my chest